Welcome everyone to the Well Read Dames podcast. I'm here today with author Michelle Ham. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a real honor. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I loved your novel, uh, Sway, which I just finished reading this week. And I have my comment that I wrote down the moment that I finished it. It was too kind of dorky to include anywhere, but I said, <laughs> reminds me why I love the YA genre and why it's so important to readers. <laughs> I was really blown away by the story. I'm so happy. That's like the best compliment I could have gotten for that. So, Well, you definitely deserve it. So before we kind of get into it, because I have so many questions um, about the, you know, like your inspiration for the story and all that stuff. What mm. do you, you know, having this platform, do you want to tell us about yourself and what you would like your readers to know about you, if anything? <laughs> um, well, yeah, there's not a lot to tell, but um, I'm a mom and a wife and I, um, when I'm not writing, I like hanging out with my friends and family. And I work part-time in finance, so at least that inspires me to really work on my writing in the evening after the kids are in bed. So I think if I was doing a creative job, I'd you know, be all uh, tired out and not have energy to creatively write. So I'm looking on the bright side. I also kind of work in finance. Oh, and <laughs> there's nothing like reading the most boring report of your life to really get your inspiration thinking in your mind of anything else. <laughs> I know, your brain has time to rest and that's when it starts to get creative. So it's good that way. <laughs> it is. It's very helpful. Um, so the story is very, it felt very personal. Um, is there anything in particular that, that like inspired you to write the story? Maybe any personal experiences that you drew on for the book? Oh well, yeah, it was a lot of real life experiences, I will admit. Um, and there's also, you know, sort of taken from other people's anecdotes, experiences and that sort of thing. Because there were so many sort of weird, bizarre, funny things that happened over the years that I just wanted to put them all in there sort of thing. And it was me making sense of my beliefs because I was raised religious and I've sort of gone towards it and away from it and back and forth over the years. And it was me just trying to put it down on paper, I guess. I, I love that because I was also raised uh, religious and not as religious as Saskia was in the book, I would say. Uh, but still, you know, church was heavy in my life for my youth. And as you grow up, you kind of start to, you know, learn about the world more and it kind of changes your views on things. And um, so I, w I was wondering if if that be was something that you had happened to you or if, if you just saw other people go through it. I had a roommate in college that I feel like although she was 23 in real life, she reminded me so much of Saskia in the book at the beginning. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and um, I remember, like, we were friends, we were roommates, and, you know, she would like a guy. She would have a crush. And it was the same, reminded me of the Liam crush, you know. Oh, yeah. Never going to happen. And never going to happen. And, they, like, he was in just, like, one of her classes. And then I remember she saw him at the store once. And I was like, why don't you just go say hi, you know. And she was like, no. Like, she would not go. She would not interact. <laughs> She was like, if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. And I was like, girl, I want to believe that. But girl. in my experience, if you don't talk to someone, they don't know you exist. Yeah. You know? It's easier just to have a fantasy and uh, just keep living life the same way. I guess. 
Exactly. And and I, I hope that she's doing well, but I haven't talked to her since probably I was 21. So it's been 13 years. So, um, so I thought of her reading this I was like, oh, this is so relatable because I feel like we all kind of go through that process if you're, if you're raised in that kind of upbringing. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I was never quite as dedicated to the whole mission as much as Saskia. I sort of exaggerated that side of things to an extent, but but yeah, she sort of, but she was also a lot of me. So, and um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Superstar, like the Saturday Night Live one. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie kind of inspired me as well because it was like she was this religious girl, but she was also really boy crazy. So that was sort of like me. It'd be like, oh no, I want to be a good Christian and all this, but. I, unlike Saskia, I wouldn't have let the unequally yoked thing stop me if I liked a boy. <laughs> but also like her, I was just too shy and awkward to do anything about it at the same time. I absolutely understand being too shy to like actually act on your crush. I feel like if I was single, I would be that way again at like 34, you know? <laughs> so it's so nerve wracking. Yeah. kind of put yourself out there but I mean I loved her character especially when those like super I, I said cringeworthy earlier I just saw that you noticed that moments would happen like when she says to Jesse that they're not equally yoked yeah, and, he, <laughs> and he's like he's like excuse me what does that mean because yeah, yeah over the years like things that were normal conversation to me and my family you mentioned it to someone else that's outside of the faith or whatever they'd be like what the hell are you on about sort of that sort of moment (laughs) I love those moments like I I literally I laughed out loud and then I texted Alicia who's on the podcast with me about this because I was telling her how much I was enjoying the book and uh it was her understanding of or what she took the meaning of red light special by TLC excellent song uh to mean (laughs) yeah I was I am glad I wasn't drinking anything because I would have spit it out of my mouth. Like I, I was so just overcome by laughter with that um, because I remember feeling that way. I mean, I think we were both probably around the same age of like children in the 90s. And I remember listening to, to songs and having no idea what they were about, yeah. you know. And it wasn't until like your older cousin or friend's older sister would be like, do you even know what you're singing about? And you're like, no, <laughs> you know? Yes. And I hear my young daughters sing some of the things that are popular and you think, oh God, that sounds so wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had the crazy, sexy, cool CD yeah. and I loved it. And my dad would just be like, what, what are you listening to? <laughs> Oh, innocent. I know, completely innocent. I was like 12. It was like, stop playing that CD. Uh, You just enjoyed it for what it was. Exactly. And now I listen to it as an adult, and then it's like, it's funnier that way, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Ahead of my time. (laughs) That's right. It's all good. So, with the character development, obviously, each character I feel like really goes through. Um, a lot of change in the story. Obviously, the main characters is the most complicated, but I mean, I feel like we see her little sister acting out, and I love that we didn't know what happened with her brother till like the end of the story, basically, because it was just kind of alluded to that he was gone, but that can mean so many different things. Um, and so we see the way his just his 
his absence, not disappearance, but his absence is really affecting each member of their family. And in a lot of ways, it's bringing them closer together. But in other ways, their separate methods of grieving, grieving are like pushing them all apart. Um, and Jesse, I feel like, really becomes like Sasuke. It's kind of like salvation from that pain of being at home with her. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not. I don't want to say nice distraction because the relationship was so much more than that. But it took her away and showed her something else that existed in the world apart from her kind of like broken apart. Yeah, family. that's right. It was so outside of her experience that it was groundbreaking for her i suppose it was his character was wonderful i love him too <laughs> it was so deep and complex and just like the ability to be really funny and lighthearted, and then also kind of like burying those deeper feelings but mm. being vulnerable and that's what i really enjoyed because it was so well written because i feel like especially you know he was the bully you know and that's eliza's like i can't believe you're hanging out with the stupid bully from the bus <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> No, he was. She's like, I hate him. <laughs> he was a sweetheart deep down. <laughs> he was, yeah. And I mean, I feel like everyone, each character really is. Like, Eliza's a sweetheart, but she's trying to figure out her world. Um, and it's, I mean, her journey, I could definitely see being very mm. scary mm. Um, <laughs> to anyone that's sheltered and religious, you know? Um, um, did you ever see the movie The Craft? Oh, uh, yeah, many years ago. I think that came out when I was in like the fifth grade. And all of my friends wanted to like suddenly be witches, like evil witches. And it terrified me. I remember leaving a slumber party because I was so scared, you know, <laughs> that they were going to like do some dark magic or something. And so I definitely understood like when she walks into her, like her den or um, her, her special room and she's like kind of freaked out by it after she realizes what's going on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, feeling lost and trying to find something that belongs to you or that you feel like you relate to, um, I felt was kind of the same thing that everyone was kind of going through in the story. But Eliza kind of embodies it the most with like the sense of belief, like the beliefs. Yeah, because she's a you know very intelligent person and she'd look at what goes on at the church and think, all right, I have to figure out my own thing that I want to believe in, I have to find my own way in the world. Because so, she was sort of neglected by her mother, I guess she had to figure it out on her own and try and keep being tough. So, yeah, I'm glad you saw what I was trying to convey in all these characters. It's really heartening. Great. And the Liam storyline, I almost forgot about it. That's how good, like, the... There's so many like, characters. <laughs> yeah, the main character storyline is, you know, I was like, it just kind of became secondary. I was like, oh, yeah, we have this whole other situation going on. Uh, with the with the you know minister and, or pastor in training and his struggles with you know who he is and what the church wants him to be mm. basically, um, and I I was so nervous for that storyline in the beginning I was so scared um, that it was going to go badly yeah. for him, <laughs> and in a, in a way it kind of does but then it it ends happy and he gets support and from people which he deserves and needs um and i really i really like that storyline for him too so i don't want to give any spoilers away for the book or anything but um i really have a lot of friends that i feel like would have been would have benefited from reading this when we were oh, in high school too, yeah. you know <laughs> it wasn't until i actually met a real life openly gay person and got to know him it was like oh He's not evil. He's just the way he is. Like, ah, oh, what a revelation. 
Exactly. I feel like if if people could just read this story when they're younger, it would really, really help them. Um, which kind of understanding other types of people that may be different from you based on anything, religion, upbringing, yeah. race, um, orientation, all of those. It kind of covers so many main topics that are, um, if you're sheltered, very mm. confusing. Um, and even if you're not sheltered, you're not exposed to everything as a kid. Um, That's true. No matter who you are. <laughs> and so I, I really, I really loved it. So I'm so glad. Thank you for writing this amazing book. I felt like it was really great. And I know that you've gotten kind of, you said you kind of have like a, a cult following for it, for people that yeah, enjoy right, it as well. Because, yeah, I wouldn't, I haven't um, sold millions of copies or anything by any means, but I really love that most of the people who have read it have really loved it and it's really resonated with them in one way or another, whether they're teenagers or they're in their 40s, whatever age they may be. There's even been a couple of males read it. Um, so that's what matters to me. And in the beginning, I just wanted to write a book that I was satisfied with because I have, have written lots of half-written novels over the years. So to actually complete one that I was happy with, I'm still not 100% happy with it, of course, but one I'm satisfied enough with, that was the goal and anything above that was a bonus, I guess. And doing things like this podcast—that's a huge bonus as well. I think it's—I think it's great. I love um, talking to indie authors. That was one of the main reasons I started this podcast is because I wanted to be able to dis- discuss the writing, their books, what motivates them, you know, and also give everyone a platform to kind of talk and connect with readers. It's a brilliant idea. Oh, thanks. <laughs> One other thing, so really the characters, it, it has a, a happy ending. The story ends in a very positive and hopeful note, but it doesn't have the, and I was happy it didn't, it doesn't have the traditional kind of Hollywood ending. And I was glad because the characters are so young. Um, I'm always cautious of of setting improper expectations for youth as to what to expect, especially yeah, it in could love. be dangerous. <laughs> it can be, it, you know, because I you know, going through your first love and first heartbreak or whatever it is, is is traumatic enough, especially if you've never been shown that it doesn't always work out. Um, um, So a big question I had was, since it takes place kind of, you know, in a different decade, have you ever thought about kind of doing other work with these characters? I am writing a novel, um, grown up sort of novel, which has taken two of the more minor characters from Sway and elaborated on their journey. Um, Daniela, you might remember, she was a bit of an um, antagonist, I guess, in the book, but I was interested to know more about her because whenever there is an antagonist kind of character, I always want to say, you figure out, oh, but why are they this way? Like what's their upbringing, what's their backstory and all that sort of thing. So it's fun to explore that side of things. So um, that book also at least gives you a bit of insight into what everyone else is up to as well. So I'm just having fun with that and trying to figure out where that's headed. So yes, short answer, yes. <laughs> that is great news. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I feel like when you really fall in love with characters, I, I it's like selfish as a reader. Like I don't want their stories to end. Yeah. And of course, all stories at some point yeah, must end. It <laughs> was like, I just leave them to do their thing. They're happy enough. But the other part of me is like, yeah, but I want to know more. Uh, but, you know, rather than cover the same characters again, I'll sort of research um, 
more minor characters that didn't get much of a story in the first book. So it's not really a sequel, it's more a spin-off, I guess you could say. I think that's a brilliant way of doing it. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit more grown up, so I've had fun with, you know, being a bit more grown up. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the YA genre, but I've never written anything YA. Um, I think it would be challenging, but I think you did a really, really good job with it. Um, what would you say is, like, your favourite part of the genre? Thank you. Um, my favourite part of the genre... It is that it's just that transition between childhood and adulthood and so everything's so intense and if something embarrassing happens, you just want to die and everything's just so massive. Um, and it was sort of, you know, an intense time for me because I was, I guess, such an awkward teenager and it was just so challenging that at the time I would try to push all that stuff under the rug but as I get older it's like this is a gold mine to write about all the embarrassing things all the intense feelings of the first love it's all exciting stuff and you know as a teenager you get to try out life without having to tackle the boring adult responsibility stuff so it's a pretty magical time of life I reckon so yeah and I just really enjoy the books um they're fun to read and yeah they they're usually a really good story so yeah just the intensity of it all I guess that's what I enjoy well the firsts that's the thing it's really easy to connect with with the with the YA genre you know is you remember that no matter how old you are you mm. know you remember those emotions and the impossibility of going to school and facing everyone after something embarrassing happens and that feeling that can you just disappear into a hole or you know change schools over the weekend (laughs) and never have to see people again that maybe you from the the most minor things you know um to something major everything feels like the same intensity um if you personally, do you have any like moment if you could go back in time and just like fix something that you would change or would you just leave it the way it is and just go forward like 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 we have to do because we don't have time machines? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be tempting, Like, although I'm glad that I've experienced everything I have in life because it's uh, made me the person I am today. Um, it would be tempting to, you know, fix things. Uh, if I did, I would – probably tell my not to take life so seriously. I guess it's part of the religious upbringing thing too. just took life so seriously and I thought I have to have everything figured out and it seemed like everyone else had everything figured out and they knew what they were doing but I didn't know what I was doing and it was like, oh, you must have everything figured out by the time you're 18 or you'll fail. So I would tell myself just to chill out a bit. Um, and just to not waste my time on people who don't waste their time on me, um, even if that means being lonely, that sort of thing. Because when you're a teenager, the last thing you want to be is, you know, stuck at home with mum and dad with no social life and all that sort of thing. So it's easy to fall in with people that might not always treat you well. So I'd just tell myself just to chill overall. I think that's great advice for yeah. everyone, probably, yeah. <laughs> which is 
It's funny because now, like, I dream about just being home by myself and not having to socialize with anyone. I know. It's the opposite now. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get to be alone. This is so exciting. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, like, as a teenager, it would have been a nightmare, you know, and you you need togetherness so much. And now as an adult, I'm just like, oh, I have time to myself, you know, and and it's funny, my 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 mom, for example, is she's the most active social life of anyone that I know. Mm. She's always doing something. And she'll be like, Oh, it's Friday, <laughs> what are your plans? And I'm like, I'm just gonna go home and put on pajama pants and like lose myself in like Netflix, yeah. you know what I mean? Or read a book or just fall asleep. It's gonna be amazing, <laughs> you know? And she's like, Do you want to come out with me? And I'm like, Oh god, no. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, how things change. Yeah, I used to spend like three hours a night talking on the phone with my friends. Now it's like, oh, God, I hope the phone doesn't ring. I'm not going to answer it anyway. Just send me a text. <laughs> yeah, I like texting. It's all good. Well, we have um, about like eight minutes left or so because um, I know that you only wanted to chat for a little bit. So I have some fun questions if you want to kind of get into those. I'd love to chat for hours. I just don't know how the technology is going to handle it. Well, we can, if you want, we can do this again um, in a little bit too. Like I'm, if anyone that comes on here wants to talk again, I am 100% into that idea. Oh, excellent. Now that I know how it goes and I'm enjoying it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. At the beginning, it's like, let's just rip off this Band-Aid, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's but it's fun. Um, it is fun. So I study abroad in Australia, as I told you, and I know that you've spent time in the States as well. Um I loved like everything, almost everything about Australia. Um, I got sunburnt quite a bit, but that happens here too. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm really pale. So it's just kind of a struggle I have. Um, But what is like your favorite Australian animal, would you say? Because they're so unique. I was thinking about that and I thought it would have to be the wombat. The wombat's pretty adorable. And um, there was this this show called A Country Practice back in the 80s and there was a character that was actually a wombat named Fatso and he was just really cute. So I think of him when I think of wombats and, yeah, they're good. <laughs> Do you like wombats? They are good. I love them. I, I saw one for the first time like up close when I was at the Taronga Zoo and I remember oh, yeah. it just – it just rolled over and someone inside the zoo just started rubbing its belly. And I was like, what is this magical creature? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the animal handlers, you know, they just pick them up and carry them around. They have them as pets and all that sort of thing at the wildlife park here. They're just, just like carrying a big fat cat. Yeah. And they're so chill. <laughs> they're really chill. Everywhere I was, there was like pythons and lizards. I was like, where have you guys been keeping the wombats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Bring out so the wombats. Um, and so you you definitely have traveled a little bit. Where's your kind of favorite place that you've gone? Well, because uh, I haven't traveled uh, extensively around the world or anything like that. Um, it was hard to pick just one place. I just um, was thinking overall the USA road trip we went on for the four and a half weeks because that was a great combination of big cities and small towns you've never heard of and lots of places that Americans would never have been to and yeah that was just an amazing trip overall so I love New York City but I also loved like Denver and more sort of chilled out places like that and 
just some of the little towns. We did go through Indiana, my husband reminds me, because he was saying, remember we went through a town called Mishawaka? And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that name. Yeah, were you coming from Chicago? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did go to Chicago, so that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's right up there. Yeah, northern Indiana is, you get, like, the dunes and stuff if you're by the lake, which are pretty. Um in southern Indiana, you get like rolling hills when you get like in the Ohio River Valley. And then the rest of the state is just pretty flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was all good times. And so yeah. people are so friendly and everything. So. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you had a good time here. Um, and I feel like you saw what you need to see of Indiana, it sounds like. So. <laughs> I remember Nebraska being very flat and very same-same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like an exaggerated version of Indiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's much more serious in Nebraska. They're much more serious about farming than we are, but it's just a bunch of corn. <laughs> I, I can take that. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, I love corn. Corn is great. <laughs> yeah, it is. I like a bit of corn. It's delicious. Um, speaking of, kind of what's one of your favorite foods, would you say? Um. Anything I don't have to cook is usually pretty good. <laughs> I enjoy cooking, but not all the time. You know, as a mum and a wife and that sort of thing, it's good to eat out. But I do, I did write down, you know, like Mexican, Thai, Chinese, all that sort of thing. I'll eat whatever's whatever's going. Yeah. I think you just listed like my top three types of foods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ate Mexican food in Scotland. It was so good. It was so weird. <laughs> I never thought of eating Mexican in Scotland. So there you go. No, I don't think many people have, but we were um, we were in Edinburgh and there was a Mexican place down the street and it, I think it was the day before we left or something. And so it had been like almost a, over a week and I definitely eat Mexican food one to like three times a week normally. And I was like, how bad can it be? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I did like, a good job just, then. Let's just try it. It was great. They had a queso that had bacon and chorizo in it. Oh I could have just drank it. Like, <laughs> wow. it was so good. <laughs> I was like, bring more of this, please. Um, oh, wow. That was really good. If if anyone ever finds that place that I don't remember the name of, sorry, but it was really nice. Um, in Scotland. That would be great. It was amazing. Oh, I didn't get sunburned there. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember you talking about it on a different podcast, actually. Yeah, the Laura, I was like, I could walk around without sunglasses. It was perfect. Yeah, magical. <laughs> and I'm watching that Outlander show that you were talking about too, so that makes me want to go more. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yes, I would throw that on your travel list. And Ireland too is amazing, amazing countryside. So, and driving around was, I would say drive in Ireland and that's fine. I would not drive in Edinburgh or Dublin. Just avoid the big cities because yeah. there's just a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, luckily, you're driving on the left still, which you're used to, so that's good. So, <laughs> sorry, what was that? I said driving on the left wouldn't be as weird for you, so that would be good. No, it's That'd quite nice. normal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried driving on the right hand side in America, and it was all good until I had to turn the corner. Then I was like, no, this is too confusing. You can have the wheel back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the roads are so good in, in Australia too. And I would say the same thing about Ireland and Scotland. All the roads are really maintained, which is good. Um, here we're about to get into like the season where it gets cold and the roads just kind of like fall apart and we get like oh. big like potholes or chuck holes, wherever you want to call them, where, oh. <laughs> where you can just like 
wreck your tire in them. So it's it's uh, I'm not looking forward to that. I can't even imagine that. That'd be full on. Mm. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Michelle. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your morning. Um, so I'm spending it with your family and, you know, doing this with me. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.